welcome back to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. I am Ben Standing. I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. And on this here podcast, we're going to do two things. We're going to talk about the Washington football team and the NFL draft. I'm going to talk about picks. I'm not going to talk about so much about Washington at 19. I will encourage everybody to go check out The Athletic because on Monday morning there will be a new Washington football team only mock draft in which I made picks for each round, but I didn't just make a pick and whatever. I went and talked to league sources uh, about the specific players that I was looking at, as well as to get some other insight into other players um, that I considered in different positions. So it's a fairly deep, deep and thorough look at potential options for Washington through all seven rounds with insight from scouts and other sources uh, as to those players and the situation for Washington. So we'll get to that. But in here, what I'm going to do is talk about picks one to 18, more or less. I'm not going to go pick by pick, but I'm going to do a breakdown and kind of tell you what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing about those picks. So whether you're into Washington or you're into other teams or you're curious about certain players, I think you'll, you'll enjoy the conversation we'll have here in just a second. In addition to that, uh, I talked to our friend Michael Lee with the Washington Post about the Washington Wizards. We talked at length about the Wizards as they, uh, you know, we, we just got through a trading deadline. The Wizards made a minor deal, but more to the point, kind of where do, where do they, where do things go from here? And I tried not to just have the same old rehash of Wizards stink, trade Bradley Beal, fire everybody. I tried, we, we, I tried to steer us into a direction of, so what actually, what are some actionable items to do? It isn't just enough to keep saying, get rid of Beal and start over. It's not that simple. So we tried to be realistic about things, but we talked at length about a lot of different situations, and I'm excited for you guys to hear that. Now, quick reminders, you can, of course, if you're new to this podcast, uh, you can, of course, subscribe, and I would encourage you to do so on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you do your podcasting. If you're an iTunes person, I definitely appreciate it when you guys drop a rating and a review. It helps the cause, I promise you that, and I really appreciate everybody's been very kind so far, uh, it, both in terms of putting up a review as well as things that people have said I trust me, I really do appreciate it. Uh, you can also subscribe to The Athletic. If you're interested in the Washington football team only mock draft, you can uh, subscribe right now for a dollar and you'll get everything I have on there, but it, it's for the whole site. So everybody who, talk, who writes about the Washington football team and then anybody else, who, anything else you want to look at, NFL, uh, the NCAA tournaments, uh, you, you know, the English Premier League, the, the, the women's basketball tournament, whatever you whatever you're interested in, it's all on the athletic. Um, and I will tease this: in the Washington mock draft only, I named a quarterback who I have heard that the team has shown some interest in, and and specified that this is a player to keep an eye on. I'm gonna have to leave it as a tease, though. Sorry about that. Uh, but but go check out that up on the athletic. Click on the article, and then you go. Uh, go from there. So we'll get to all that in just a second. And of course, if you want to ever hit me up on Twitter, I'm at Ben Standing. Um, so we'll get to Michael Lee, my conversation with him in just a few minutes. Um, by the way, I will also say I spoke with um, Jason Fitzgerald from, he, he's the uh, the main voice for the website overthecap.com. I was going to put that up today, but I decided instead to talk about the draft. I'll get that to that later in the week. But Jason and I talked about Washington's offseason, what did he think of the deals that they signed, and what, if anything, do the types of contracts and how Washington has handled this offseason so far, what does it tell us about the plan going forward um, from, a, from a money standpoint under Ron Rivera, 
under Marty Herney, Martin Mayhew, Rob Rogers, and so on. So it was a fun conversation. We'll get to that this week as well. But let's start here with the NFL draft. Now, obviously, the Washington football team picks 19th. And, you know, when I do a, a, a team-only draft for all seven rounds, you know, obviously, the 19th pick is kind of the one where you have at least some sense of what the board might look like. And everything else is admittedly a bit of a crapshoot on, on 100 different fronts, both who will be there, how, you know, we obviously don't even know exactly how the Washington football team prior is prioritizing anything. We can all come up with needs and 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 and, and our own personal boards, but they may have a very different view of, of, of the world. Washington, I think we most of us believe in some order needs an offensive tackle. They need linebacker help. They need a free safety. They need depth at, say, um, tight end, defensive end. Now, they did address a couple of needs. Over the last few days, they signed slot receiver Adam Humphreys, previously with the uh, Tennessee Titans and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, but, uh, what I was told is that they wanted, it's a twofold thing. They wanted to have another slot receiver so they can use Curtis Samuel outside as needed. Um, and that Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of vouched for Adam Humphreys when he came on board saying he was, you know, maybe like the smartest slot receiver he's ever, uh, he's ever worked with. They were together in Tampa. I was a little confused, to be honest, when it was first happened, because when I, I was told that part of the reason why they liked Samuel was they saw how the new Carolina coaching staff used him a lot in the slot and got and, and, and helped him be a pretty effective player in that way. Um, and I thought maybe, well, you've got Cam Sims and Antonio Gandy-Golden on the outside. Either you, you have Samuel more in the slot with those guys or you target an outside receiver. They went a different way. Uh, that said, Humphreys has been hurt a lot the last couple of years. So, you know, it's a little bit of a gamble on their end. It's, we know it's a one-year deal. Don't know the terms yet, but I could imagine it's nothing overly crazy. Um, so, um, you know, more receiver depth there. Probably takes a receiver off the board, though, in the, in the early rounds. You know, once you get to day three, you know, kind of all bets are off. I typically like to view it as if you're going to draft a player, is there a realistic shot to make the roster? I think receiver is getting tight. I think you could make the argument there was already uh, more receive, more receivers than spots available. Then they added Humphreys. In any event, they also added a cornerback. They signed Daryl uh, uh, Roberts with the Lions. Last year, he can play. He played more nickel than slot last year, but it was close. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. He played more slot than outside last year, but in his previous years, uh, in his previous four seasons, he had played mostly on the outside. So a versatile piece. I don't think his signing should preclude them from adding a cornerback in the draft. Obviously, you've got Kendall Fuller, William Jackson, and Jimmy Moreland, but beyond those three, it's still a bit dicey. So they could draft cornerback somewhere here. Now, so again, linebacker, offensive tackle, free safety. Those to me, if we're good, I don't, I never want to say draft best player available. It's always draft best player available with need. And what's interesting about these positions is, um, you know, you look at the other positions on the board and you think, well, what are other teams going to do, right? This is going to help dictate, obviously, what's going to be available at 19. So let's go through some of this here. Now, obviously, one thing that's good for Washington is, well, I guess it depends how you want to look at it. Washington at quarterback has obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick. They have... Kyle Allen, they have Taylor Heineke. There is no obvious long-term answer among those three, uh, even though Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke are still, you could say, young. But, you know, realistically, I don't think anybody's viewing them as long-term solutions, which is, makes it a little confusing. And, it, and I have said that I don't 
if you make me pick, I'm going to bet they don't take a quarterback. Forget value. That's obviously the case. If there's a player in the fourth round, you think should be a second round pick, you know, then then that then that you make that pick almost regardless of what what we're talking about. But I'm just saying as a general plan, based on how Ron Rivera likes Kyle Allen and that they immediately went to re-sign Taylor Heineke, I, I think if they don't, I think Taylor Heineke is probably still available right now um, on, on the street. So um, you know, I'm going to say they don't, but and and I and I think that's in part because they figure that the top five quarterbacks will be gone before 19. I think every assessment out there agrees, and we'll get to some of more of that why in a second. And then after that, you know, we'll see. It's not considered to be an amazing group of sort of you know mid to late round picks. I did mention there's one quarterback who I, I was uh, I've heard that they they have some interest in. Um, you can again check that out on the uh, on the athletic in the mock draft story. But here's here's where I would say we, we are right now with these with these quarterbacks. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is going to go one. That's not breaking news. Goes to one to Jacksonville. Uh, BYU Zach Wilson looks like it's being pretty good position to go second. He just had a pro day that everybody thought was the greatest thing of all time. So looks like he's good for two. What that means for Sam Darnold, I don't know. I definitely think there's a world they could keep them both. I, I personally, you've heard me say it before, I really am not that excited about starting rookie quarterbacks. Give them time to develop. I think it's very important. Um, you know, at least in the case of Trevor Lawrence, he's played in a lot of, of high stakes college football, but you know, a lot of these, a lot of these players, not, not as much or were more under the radar. So I wouldn't, if I'm the Jets, I'd be fine with letting Darnold play. You know, see what happens in the, the quote-unquote worst-case scenario. He plays well, and next year you make a decision whether which one of these guys you can you, you get rid of in a sport where that values quarterbacks at all times. Number three, now the San Francisco 49ers, since we last spoke, traded up in the draft uh, from number 12 up to number three. They gave up a bunch of picks, including two future number ones to Miami to get that spot at three. And everybody assumes that they're going to take a quarterback. I would assume that as well. The question is, who are they taking at quarterback and what happens to Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, I'll start with that second point. I see people just saying this means they're getting rid of Garoppolo, and I don't see that on any level. Now, I'm not saying if another team says, hey, we'll give you, you know, all these picks take you know, to take Garoppolo that they wouldn't do it. I'm just saying that San Francisco was a team that, not last season, but the year before, won the NFC. It was in the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo, a quarterback. Making this decision to trade up to the third pick clearly says that they don't completely believe in Garoppolo long term. But at the same point, we kind of know last year that San Francisco had a bunch of injuries, including guys on the defensive line where their strength was, and that wrecked their year. Well, I think they're going to get players back, and I would imagine that they still think they're a contender to win the Super Bowl or the, to win the NFC again, right? That's not happening with a rookie quarterback, realistically. So unless they were to make a trade for Garoppolo in which they get back a legitimate starter, I mean, not even just a, a guy who can start, I mean, a, a proven starter, I don't get why they're making that trade. You're not going to punt a year. Like, again, Jacksonville, they start Trevor Lawrence game one, it's different. They're not expected to go anywhere. This is different. So I'm thinking that you keep Garoppolo, you draft whichever quarterback you want, and you go from there. Now, what quarterback are they going to draft? It's either Justin Fields from Ohio State, Trey Lance from North Dakota State, or Mac Jones from Alabama. Now, this is really interesting, right? I know Chris Sims came out the other day and said that after the trade that he, to him, this signals that they're going to take 
uh, Mac Jones. You, you don't trade up for a project. You trade up for something that's, that, that feels more secure. And of those three guys, Mac Jones feels like he's maybe the most ready to play immediately, uh, more a pocket passer. The sense from people is that, that that's the case. He, may, he doesn't have the ceiling as some of the other guys, but he's maybe more ready to go now. Um, and I guess I read somewhere that Chris Sims and Kyle Shanahan are tight. So if Chris Sims says something on the Niners, you kind of have to pay attention. So to, we'll keep that under, uh, under advisement. To me, that doesn't make that much sense. If you're going to, if you're going to, now, if you're taking my view that you're keeping Garoppolo, why would you not take the guy who has the, the more upside, but needs more time? Now you can debate whether that's Justin Fields or Trey Lance. If you make me pick right now, and you're, and I'm not right now. Uh, I'm gonna say Trey Lance. By the way, I should say I will do a full-throated first-round mock draft in about a week or so on the Athletic. I, I, it's on the calendar. I honestly just don't remember the date, but that will happen soon, so you can keep an eye out for that. But I, I understand it could be Justin Fields as well, but I, I don't know. Trey Lance seems to me the one that I would think there at three. In any event. A quarterback will go at three. The question then becomes, what happens at four? Do the Atlanta Falcons take a quarterback or not? They just restructured Matt Ryan's contract, pushing more you know, dead cap money down, down the line for him. So it kind of feels like they wouldn't take a quarterback. But as, as we kind of know, you don't want to find yourself in this position having a top five pick again. So now that they're here, do they take advantage and take the quarterback? I think almost every mock draft is going to say yes. Justin Fields would be an amazing call. He's from that area, uh, but it could easily be Trey Lance. I guess in theory, it could be Mac Jones as well. Um, the big loser in that San Francisco trade moving up was Carolina at eight because Carolina was a team that everybody was pointing to as being the aggressor, whether for Deshaun Watson or um, to move up. If now the only team who's looking to move down is Atlanta, Atlanta is never going to trade within the division. To, for the other team to take a quarterback, or let alone anything, but let, but, let, but certainly not a quarterback. So I don't know what Carolina does other than hope that one of the quarterbacks is still available when they pick at number eight, or I guess they could maybe try to trade up, if, if you know, to, to five or or, 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 or six. Uh, the Bengals are at five. The Dolphins then made another trade after moving back from three to 12. They moved up to six with the Eagles, used one of those. Uh, they traded a first-round pick to move up. The Eagles moved back down. So, uh, so that's where I kind of see with the quarterbacks. If you made me guess right now, and this is just that, um, Lawrence one, Wilson two, Lance three, I guess Justin Fields four. I really don't want to give Atlanta a quarterback, but until further notice, I guess I will. And Mac Jones eight to Carolina. That's how I would see that playing out. But that's all largely... It's not great for Washington, but it's largely good enough. They realistically weren't going to get a quarterback. So, you know, it, and, and they now, like I said, have guys with Fitzpatrick and so on. So, um, you know, okay. It's not, let's just say it's not good. Forget that. But, okay, five quarterbacks are going to push down other positions. Then we get offensive tackle. I think four offensive tackles probably go in the top 19 picks. Ideally for Washington, one of them is still there, whether they take them, take one or not having a premium position like that available to you is good. And based on, you know, my sense of the land right now, it is a four, it is four offensive tackles sort of at the top. Uh, Penny Sewell from Oregon is considered to be 
the, the best of the bunch for sure. It's five to Cincinnati seems like a decent call uh, there. Could be six to Miami, but, uh, you know, it, I don't know if he gets past the Bengals at five. Uh, from there, you have Rashawn Slater from Northwestern, Elijah Vera Tucker from USC, and Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech. I think most public draft boards have a, have them in that order, Slater, Vera Tucker, and Derisaw. Uh, both Slater and Vera Tucker, some people project to play inside, but they can all play tackle. Uh, so, I, you know, by and large, I, I, I'm trying to look at them in those terms, Um but, you know, I, I would have, you know, if a team needs more of a guard, the, you know, I, I wouldn't shy away by taking that taking that player. If, if an offensive line is a big need, like, say, the, the Chargers, for example, you know, protecting Justin Herbert's kind of a big deal. Um, they need some help. So even if they project, you know, Slater or Vera Tucker to be a guard, I wouldn't, that wouldn't stop me. Um, I, in speaking to people over the weekend, you know, there are some people who have Darisaw as the number two tackle though on the board but it's all like a close race the, the larger point is that it seems like it's those four and then there's a bit of a gap liam eichenberg from notre dame is the number five for some for some people tevin jenkins from oklahoma state is for some people he's not really in play though for washington um, because he's a right tackle um, that is how teams are viewing him and obviously washington has morgan moses i don't imagine they're looking to move him to the left side even though he played a couple games there so if these top four tackles are gone, my guess right now is Washington does not go tackle there at 19. Instead, maybe looks on day two. There are uh, several tackles in the, on that day two range that could work. Walker Little from Stanford. I don't know if he'll be on the board at 51. I have some people telling me don't expect it, but he could be he could be somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, Sam Cosby from Texas. Uh, you know, I would have maybe thought Eichenberg, but in talking, to, uh, I had multiple scouts tell me that they think he's arguably the fifth tackle in this class and, and could be a fifth round, a first round pick. The average is about five tackles go in the first round. So I mentioned four, there's room for one more. Um, Mayfield from Michigan, uh, I've kind of moved off of him and maybe even we'll move him into the second round because just based on listening to how some people have talked about him. So if, if one of these four tackles is available for Washington at 19, I think that's how they probably go. Um, if they're not, then they're going to have to pivot somewhere else. Where are they going to pivot to? I'll come back to that in one quick second. Um, the next sort of big position in the top 18 picks is receivers. I'm going to include tight end Kyle Pitts here as well. He's a guy that could easily go four to Atlanta, five to Cincinnati. Um, you know, he'll, he'll go pretty high, clearly away, clearly the best tight end in the class, the receivers, LSU's Jamar Chase, and then the two Alabama kids, Devonta Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, and Jalen Waddle. Um, I, I think Chase is considered the top guy. Now, he did opt out last year, and I think that's, you know, the opt-out situations, it's going to be a challenge for teams as part of their evaluation process. Chase is, is highly respected, playmaker, all the things you're going to want out of that position, but he hasn't played football in a while. And I do think there may be some teams who are going to, put that as a negative uh, on guys. The, the other one here for me is, you know, Devonta Smith. Look, obviously what he did last year at Alabama was off the charts impressive. He is a small man and I'm not discounting the heart inside him. You know, what is it the saying? It's not the, it's not the size of the dog and the fight is the size of the fight and the dog. Well, he's got a lot of fight and obviously he's, a, he's impressive and I wouldn't 
question that he can play in this league. But when you're talking about spending one of these top picks, I do wonder if teams are going to shy away from him because of his size, especially if you're looking to get a receiver and you can get Chase or Waddle. I I guess I'm just saying I'm not going to be surprised if Smith is the third receiver off the board. In fact, when I do put out a mock draft, I'm probably going to guess that's the case. Where do they go? Like I said, Miami at six feels like a um, a reasonable call. Um because of you know, the, the, you know just they they move back up for a reason that does feel like they could start the run on receivers so I think that's um, I, I think that's in play for sure uh, I think the Detroit Lions at seven could take a receiver um, I think the I would have said the New York Giants but they signed Kenny Galladay so we can scratch them off um, I think the Patriots at fifteen. Uh, could I know they just added two receivers, but eh, I don't know why not. Um, Dolphins have another pick at 18, so I, I don't know. I guess depending on the Devonte Smith thing, it's possible only two receivers, well three for Kenny Pitts, go before Washington. But I think most projections right now will have all four of those guys going in there. So keep that in mind for now. Uh, we'll see if I if I have Devonte Smith still in 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 front of Washington or not. Even if he was on the board. I'd be surprised if if Washington makes that investment. Maybe they think he's all that, or any of these receivers are all that. But you know, they just signed Curtis Samuel. You got McLaurin. I, I think they're probably good there. Um, cornerbacks. I think there's going to be three of those. You've got Patrick Sertain from Alabama. Blew away his pro day. He's going to be the number one guy, especially since Virginia Tech's Caleb Farley had a procedure the other day, effectively on his back. Uh, we're saying it's not a big deal, but I don't know if teams are going to view it that way. So I can see him dropping a bit, maybe even behind J.C. Horn from South Carolina, uh, who is typically viewed as the third cornerback. Uh, going 16 to Arizona is a popular mock draft pick. I think I think the Cowboys at 10 could easily take certain or take a cornerback in in general. Uh, Farley, you know, the Raiders at 17 would make a lot of sense. I don't think Washington at 19 does at this point, considering the investment they've made in Fuller and Jackson. Um, but that's kind of how I would view it right now. Uh, Sertain won. You know, it's just hard to tell with Farley without, I'm not a medical doctor. So it's hard to know until we hear more about his procedure or you know how teams think. But, uh, you know, Farley-Horn may be a, a, a coin flip when it's all said and done, even though Farley, I think, is a player that people generally like. So maybe they don't look at this procedure as being uh, that big of a deal. Uh, then we have linebacker. And this is the other position I think that Washington, if we're just sort of talking about needs, not like they just think like some players just off the charts amazing, I, I think this is a position that they could look at. Now, Micah Parsons from Penn State, considered to be the top one, he's not expected to make it you know, outside the top 15, so I haven't really considered him. But then you've got Jeremiah Owusu Karamoa from Notre Dame. And I'll tell you what, People like him a lot, a lot. Uh, fast, 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 incredible athlete. He's only about 215, 16 pounds. This is not your classic thumper linebacker. He's a player, though, that could play all over the place. He could even play some slot uh, corner to, to a degree. He could play at the rover position. I, I just think that when, when you talk about a, a playmaker, you know, if they really want a, a hard-hitting you know, Mike linebacker, this is not going to be that guy. But if they're willing to sort of 
look for like a 21st century type player. You know, Isaiah Simmons is, a, is somebody who was mentioned a lot here. Not necessarily that they're the exact same player, but the, but the you know, explosive athleticism that thrusted Simmons into the top 10 last year. I, I, def- I, had, I had one scout tell me they think Owusu Karamoa is the number one defender in the entire draft ahead of Parsons. Um, you know, obviously I didn't mention a lot of other defensive players here. Uh, the only other player who, not one of the positions I mentioned inside the top nine in, you know, the top 18 picks is that I kind of see right now is Quiddy Pay, the uh, edge rusher from Michigan. If you told me Jalen Phillips from Miami or Greg Rousseau from Miami also, or is that guy instead? Sure. But, uh, you know, not, not, a, not a ton of those players. So, it's not a great year for defensive players, relatively speaking, at the top of the draft, but Owusu Karamoa is somebody who has a lot of attention, and there are people who don't think he'll be there at 19 for Washington either. If he is, I think it could be a really interesting pick for for them for sure. Um, so that's kind of the gist of, uh, of how I see things right now. I'll, like I said, I'll have an, I'll have a, a, an official first-round mock draft on The Athletic in the near future. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Um, I think this is a, uh, oh, by the way, I will just mention, you know, with regards to Washington, if somehow Darisol is off the board and the top four tackles are gone, like I said, I don't know if I see a fifth tackle there. If Owusu Karamoa is gone, could there be another linebacker in play? Yeah, I, you know, I've had some people, Zaven Collins from Tulsa, he's going to hold his pro day this week. I think he could, um, you know, depending on what he runs, he could maybe crack his way into some top 20 conversations. He's maybe just a tick outside that right now. Uh, if we, so, but if, if, if there's no Darisol and there's no Owusu Karamoa, I think Trayvon Mowring from TCU, free safety is interesting. Now, again, I don't know where Washington views him, but I think he's viewed as in by many, the top free safety in this class. Uh, our Dane Brugler, who's been on this podcast. Um, he's got Richie Grant from central Florida as the number one free safety, but typically Mo Rig is considered to be that guy. I think it would be an interesting pick. Like I said, if the top four tackles are gone and Washington doesn't see another linebacker that they like as much, if we're talking about needs, I think free safety is a big one, and I think that would be a, a fun one there to have. I mean, that would be a pretty dynamic secondary. Fuller, Jackson, Landon Collins, Cam Curl, and a free safety here. I think that could be a lot of fun. So I don't. I have that as the third option, but I think it's an option, something to at least consider. Uh, I hope you guys consider staying with me here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Uh, I know for some of you, it's a Washington football team conversation or not. Uh, I get it. And, uh, you know, that's why we talk mostly about that team. It is the team I cover. But as a lot of you guys know as well, I very much am interested in the Washington Wizards. Call me a glutton for punishment, but... <laughs> is something that I do talk about. I enjoy talking about it, and there's nobody I enjoy talking about it more than Michael Lee with the Washington Post. Uh, we talked at length, and I'm going to get into that conversation here in just a second. So again, just a quick reminder for those of you who may be dumping out here, um, go check out the Washington football team only mock draft on The Athletic. If you're not a subscriber, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month. And like I said, I've got some details about the different players that I selected for Washington round by round, as well as players that I considered but didn't pick, and a quarterback to keep an eye on in the draft as well. So uh, let's get to my conversation 
with Michael Lee talking not just about the Wizards right now, but going forward, what's realistic, what can they do, what are our recommendations. Uh, I will just say one thing as a, as a disclaimer. I discussed the idea of Bradley Beal and the Supermax uh, contract. I was told later, and this is where I'm, uh, you know, the guy can't balance his own checkbook. is not is not great at this, and I'm paying attention to another sport. But essentially, Bradley Beal will be in his 10th year here after next year. Uh, basically, he's not eligible for the Supermax because the Supermax gives you 35% of the cap. He's already going to, as a, as a 10-year player, he will already been be eligible for that. There are still some differences where Washington can offer him more as in terms of a five-year deal and, and some money, but it's not as big of a deal as if it's just the Supermax or no Supermax. So keep that in mind in the conversation. It doesn't really change my view, but I just want to clarify that up front. All right, so let's get to it. My conversation with Michael Lee from the Washington Post here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Uh, are you aware, Michael Lee, with the Washington Post? Did you see this thing that HBO is doing a series on the Showtime Lakers? Like they're yeah, like yeah, an actual cast. Yeah. How, how how is that working? I saw somebody was cast as Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, but like, how's that work? I don't know who's going to be cast into, into those roles. I, I like who they uh, uh, Brody is going to be Pat Riley. <laughs> right, Adrian Brody. Yeah, right, I saw, I saw that. Jason Siegel is going to be. Uh, uh, Paul Westfall. Paul Westfall. Westhead. Paul... I'm sorry, Westhead. Oh, okay. Jason Siegel is okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I saw like your Michael Chiklis is going to be like Red Hour back. I think. Yeah. <laughs> but he like, just wants to smoke a cigar. I think. Right. He's... Like it's one thing if you do a, a a you know like doing like the Facebook thing like you know you, you, somebody's portraying Mark Zuckerberg physically, he, whoever it is, is he, you know any movie in which you're you're portraying a famous person. The, the the goal on a base level is to to match their physicality or their mannerisms. Yeah, I, I mean, are you finding two six eight six eight six nine actors, or even if they're like six four, you then have to simulate it to look like that. And then, like, are they going to play basketball? I think it's more about the off court drama. I don't think that I don't think his book really was about what's happening on the court. All right, well, good. I mean, they better not. That would be impossible. They they just splice in footage and we'll all just kind of go with that. Yeah, um, I think I think it's more about the off off court drama and all that stuff. All right, well, uh, it'll it'll be interesting. I, I will. I, I in as a as a, as a as a Laker fan, I'm uh, from that era, from that era, not this era, but from that era, I definitely would probably I'm going to watch that just yeah because th- those are the memories that that are always going to be dear to me. So, who wrote that book? Jeff Perlman. That's hilarious. Like, earlier today, I was talking to somebody about. Somebody, I was having a conversation with somebody about uh, whatever, and they mentioned Jeff Perlman specifically that like he was able to turn all his book, a lot of his books into movies. And like, and now you, the second mention of the day, okay, clearly I need to, it's a universe telling me I need to read, read a Jeff Perlman book or something. Um, yeah, a, yeah. He's, he's, a, I mean, a lot of people have managed to uh, find success uh, in this, in this media business that far exceeds just, you know, seeing your name in a printed product. Is there a book to be written at any point over the last forty years that people would read involving the Washington Wizards? Is it because that will be the primary topic today here? Is, is there a book? Could you write a book over the last forty years? Just the Gilbert Arenas era? Uh, what's happened in the last six, seven years? Is there a book in there for anybody? Like a real? There's like, a book. There's there's always a book. It's just is there an audience? You know, I think yeah, the I fact that the, the thing, Wizards, right? the Wizards have been pretty med- mad mediocre for 40 years and 
they can't even get the attention of their their local fans, you know. Uh, so I, I don't know. If, I mean, there's definitely a book there. Uh, it's just that, you know, you talk about the Lakers, everybody's going to resonate with them because they won championships and they have names that are memorable to all these people, um, you know, across the country because they were relevant for so long. The Wizards have been irrelevant for so long that even with all the things that have made them interesting over the years, um, no one cares. <laughs> and I think that's, that's, that's a disappointing thing. I mean, I've had people talk to me all the time about writing a book about, you know, the, the era of Wizards basketball that I got to cover from Gilbert Arenas to the John Wall, um, you know, that, that whole period and just how crazy that locker room was and just all the things, the hijinks that were going on behind the scenes with all the Gilbert's pranks and, um, I think that's that that'd be fun stuff. Uh, I just is somebody gonna buy it, <laughs> right? And if you're gonna invest all that energy into a book, um, I mean, it's not that you need an audience, but if you're trying to get in the business to make to make money, um, a wizard's book is not gonna make you a lot of money. No, and and I would say that like the, you know, for however irrelevant they've been over the last few decades. And, you know, prior to this current run, they actually obviously had some recognition in the league, you know, with, with the with the wall and, and Beal and Gortat uh, stuff. I, I've said before they made the John Wall Westbrook trade, this is the least interested I've been in the Wizards in my entire life because yeah. there's no there's no upside because they, they were capped with the John Wall injury situation. I feel somewhat similar now. I mean, even though Westbrook is playing and, you know, in a broad sense, he's playing fine, but like he's, you know, he's his up and down this is going to be a constant and it, it caps what they can or can't do and and you know kind of one of the things i wanted to sort of revisit now that we're past the trade deadline is like what are they actually supposed to do they will we'll get into the trade they made a pretty minor sideways kind of a trade and, and honestly i don't really know what else they could have done unless they decided to trade barely beal which we kind of knew they wouldn't and I've been saying, I don't really even think they should because they are so screwed right now. Sorry, Wizards fans. I, I, I would love to be optimistic, but you know, I like to just be honest. Like, I don't see what they can do because this is the point when people tell me they should trade Beal and start over. I'm like, cool. Russell Westbrook is still here. He's going nowhere for the next, just two more years after this. So no matter what you do, you pick, pick any trade you want within reason to trade Bradley Beal. The, the guy, the ball dominant guard who can't make a shot outside of 15 feet isn't going anywhere that's on top of Bertans' contract which in theory you could move but you're gonna have to take back an equal kind of deal so really you're you're kind of there so i don't know what they could do that like just to, to start over on the other hand of course it's not like this is a team that is poised to contend i actually maintain that there's better stuff here than scott brooks is getting out of them but we're talking on the margins i'm not saying they would be a contender i'm talking maybe they're the eighth seed uh so I don't, I legitimately, I don't like being in this position. I legitimately don't know what they do. I generally reject the idea they should start over and trade Beal because he's the only interesting thing they have. And it isn't easy to just go ahead and say, well, go, you'll go get another one. I, I don't think that's easy, but it is, it, the deadline was a reminder of just how stuck they are because there was no obvious trades to make and they, they didn't make one. So what's your view of like right now? <laughs> what, what do you say to the, to the decision of what should the wizard do? Well, before I get to that, I just want to say this. The Wizards are wasting everybody's time. They're wasting everyone's time from their fans to their players. Like everyone's time is being wasted by investing any energy into this franchise. Right now, they have two guys essentially on max contracts and they are not 
trying to build a contending team. They have an all-star, of all-star starter, and a perennial all-star who's headed to the Hall of Fame on their squad. And they are doing nothing to field a competitive team around these two guys. They're not trying to say we're going for it. They're not trying to say we're trying to compete with the best teams. You have two of the best players in the league. Now, Russ has been up and down. He's been inconsistent. But he's still playing. He's still competing. And he has those nights where, you know, you're like, oh, that looks like Russ again. Um, and Brad is a bucket. He's going to get you 30, 35 a night. And when you have two guys like that, what are you selling your fans? What are you trying to tell them? What are you telling these two guys? Why would they want to invest their energy into a team that doesn't appear to have any direction whatsoever? So on the flip side, outside of those two players, what do you have? You have a rebuilding team with a bunch of young prospects who are trying to figure out how to play basketball. And they aren't really getting any kind of guidance. They're just out there playing. And I think it's been frustrating from that perspective because if you have young guys, you want to see them grow. You don't want to see, you know, a guy like Troy Brown get traded without ever being developed. Like you didn't even invest to time, the time to see what you had in him. And when he actually got a chance to play, he did put up decent numbers, but you just didn't care because you don't know what you're trying to do. And that, that, by the way, just on the Troy Brown thing, I mean, you make such a great point. It's so unbelievably frustrating. Look, I have no idea if Troy Brown's ever going to be a, a real rotation player. But what I do know is this. Somebody in the organization decided he was worth the 15th pick in the draft, regardless exactly. of whether that's accurate. Then they bring give him to a coach who had zero interest in using him. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, to, to, to give Scott Brooks some benefit of the doubt, like I don't actually blame him this year for using Garrison Matthews more. But prior to this, and even this year, th th there was no plan. Like you invest in this guy. You shouldn't give anybody minutes, but you also have to say, well, we, we made this investment. We have to put this player in the best position. They almost never did that. And then this year they brought in multiple, they, they had like three point guards on the team. Plus yes, Beal. What, where like, was what, Troy? What, what, what part of the future is that? Like, what right. do you, what do you, like, if, if you bring these guys in to win now, really that's, that's, that's the win now moves. I mean, Ish, Ish Smith is the win now move. Um, I, I just feel like, you know, if I'm one of the young guys on the team, I'm frustrated because the team isn't invested in me either, right? You have two guys who are in the prime of their careers who have to win, right? Russ has been to the NBA Finals. He's competed in the playoffs most of his career. Uh, Bradley Bill has been to the second round three times and hasn't been in the playoffs in over three years, but he's right now an, an all-star, you know, one of the best scorers in the league. And you have these two players, and what are you telling them? Why are you, why would they, I mean, I understand that Brad has a financial incentive of staying with the Wizards to the point where he can get a super max, which he won't get anywhere else if he gets traded. And I understand that's a lot of money you can't just turn your nose up at. And if you're not a guy who's going to get huge endorsement deals, you know, off the court, then you got to count every penny and you, you want to make sure you get all that money. I, I, I know a lot of people have, you know, shunned the super max. They say, I want to win and they want to get traded to the Lakers or the Heat or whatever organization they want to. Um, and they don't care about that money, but I, that's real money that guys have been passing up. So I'm not mad at Brad for sticking with his plan and trying to see it all the way through, but I am mad at the wizards because for a guy like Brad, who's proven that he can perform at a high level, who's proven that he's getting better. You know, he's, he's gotten better every year. I did not think that Bradley Bill would be an NBA leading scorer when I first saw him play, but he's playing at a high level to where you have to reward him in one way or two ways. Either you reward him by putting a competitive team around him 
or you reward him by saying, Brad, we love you, but we have to move you for your own benefit. And I know you're going to get be hurt financially initially, but if you start winning somewhere, you might get the financial rewards with other in other ways. Um, and then if you trade, you trade for Russell Westbrook, you trade for Russell Westbrook, a guy who, you know, for all of his flaws, is play always plays hard and is going to give you everything he has. It may not always be pretty, but it is going to be, you never question Russ's effort. Right. Like there's never a game where you go out there and be like, Russ is dogging it, man. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's usually that he's trying to do too much that makes you take a step back and say, calm down, Russ. You know, we don't need you to chill out. But when you have these two guys on your franchise, you owe it to them to try to do what you can to get more help for them. You know, and Bertans isn't enough. Okay. Robin Lopez isn't enough. Like all these guys that you, you know, that you have, um, are supposed to lead veterans that are supposed to help, you know, take the team to like a playoff level. What the, what's the point of the playoffs? Like I always said that from the beginning when they made the John Wall trade, why are you just trying to make it to the playoffs? Like you've been there, done that. Like, just because you were bad for a stretch, now you get back to the playoffs. It doesn't mean that you've made any progress. You've regressed, you know, and a lot of that is under this, uh, you know, Scott Brooks regime. But if, uh, so you asked what, so let me just get that, to get that rant out. Cause well, I think well, it's the, and by the way, just to reiterate something I say all the time. I mean, my opinion is I'm not saying this is fact. This is my opinion based on the evidence presented is that the, the, the goal of the organization is not to win the title. It's to make the nope. playoffs. It's to make the playoffs and get that revenue. This is a weird year because of the pandemic and there's nobody, there's no fans, but okay. Yeah. But that aside, that's the general plan. And if things get lucky and you put yourself in a position to get to a game seven against the Celtics with one shot to get Eastern Conference finals, great, but whatever. But like the, the, they don't do the things from, from all the way down all the way into the, down to the G League, the coaching staff. All, they don't do the stuff on the margins that the successful teams do to push forward. So that and is... Not, and not even the successful teams. Just just the teams that just say, you know what, man, we're going to go for it. Right. We're going we're gonna to take a risk. We're going we're gonna to do something bold. We're going to do something that we gonna, might get criticized for uh, in the short term, but um, long term, people are going to see that we are actually going for it. And I think that's... If you look at the teams that are above them right now in the standings, like look at the Charlotte Hornets. Look at the Charlotte Hornets, right? You know, um, they got they got criticized roundly for signing Gordon Hayward. I was like, what are they doing? Why are they signing this injury-prone guy uh, to this team? Like, what's he going to do? And you see before LaMelo Ball got hurt, this was one of the top teams in the East. Like, they were competing. They were getting big wins um, because they went for it. They went they went and, and took a chance on trying to, like, say, okay, we – we, we like what we have. We're going to just keep building what we got, you know, and they do, they got a Terry Rozier who's playing great, you know, so every team that's above them is doing things. Look at the Miami Heat. They've been cap strapped for how long? Now, obviously they got Pat Riley running the show and that's a different, you know, he's in a different stratosphere when it comes to an executive and, you know, being somebody who likes to go for it. But if you have two, two all-star caliber players on your squad, you owe it to them to to be to be competitive. You owe it to them to make them feel like the work that they're investing in being great players is going to be rewarded by their organization. And right now, that just is not happening. So you so, ask what 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 should they do? I'm just thinking about what they should have done. What they right. should have done is not trade John Wall for Russell Westbrook. No, like either look at what Houston's doing right now. Houston is going full in tank. Like right, John Wall is still there. They traded away James Harden and got uh, a bag of beans for him. 
but they got, you know, that they hope that those beans turn into, uh, you know, big stock one day, right? But they got John Wall still there. If you have John Wall under contract to a deal that, you know, a lot of people in the league don't necessarily think he, he's, he's going to live up to, then he's here. He's committed. He wants to be a part of the organization, and you, he has to deal with whatever comes with that. So that means you trade Bradley Bill. That means you get everything you can for him. That means you call up Denver, Miami, New Orleans, whatever organization you want that has young pieces and draft picks that can take care of you and help you get move towards your future, and you do that. You have to commit to a plan. I don't know what the plan is. Like, if the plan is just to make the playoffs, like I said, you're wasting everybody's time. So that being said, at the trade deadline. Well, well just to go just to go on that. So my issue nope. was if you traded Bradley Beal mm-hmm. and you get kids or whatever picks coming in and John Wall's here for the next, including this season, three years, but now yep. two, he's the adult in the room with all these impressionable kids coming up. And I'm not saying John's a bad guy in a real world sense, but in a basketball sense, he's the guy who was in the video. He was the guy who, yeah. to me, was the bigger show on TV, playing a card game during a live interview, not to mention comes yeah. in the camp out of shape, whatever. Is that the example I want to set? I could maybe make the argument. I'd rather Westbrook set the example. If we're going to say trade Beal now, maybe. But that Well, the only reason, I say, only reason I say only I say West, not, not do this to Westbrook, is that he has no loyalty to your organization. 100%. He has no past with your organization. He has no history with your organization. He has no commitment to the Wizards or to the city of Washington. You know, for all the baggage that comes with John Wall, he still is a presence in the community. Even until he got traded, he was giving away, you know, backpacks and doing all the other stuff that, you know, he typically does, um, you know, in the community. So he definitely has some flaws and he has things that are upsetting to the organization. But I'm, but I'm saying if you're going to, you have to commit to one plan. Either you're going to be a team that's going to commit to a full blown uh, rebuild, which is what the Houston Rockets are doing right now. Now they got they got mud stomped in the in James Harden trade. Okay, they they did not come away the type of return you should get for um, an all time great player. So that's that's messed up. And then they tried to you know get some out of Victor Oladipo, and that 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 blew up in their face too. So, but. Um, They've committed now to one one plan. Like we're tanking. Like we're gonna stink this year, and we're gonna hopefully get Kay Cunningham or any of these other top five players who I think are gonna be impactful in this draft. If you're the Wizards, and you say, okay, we are 15 and 20 or whatever, 15 and 28. We're not going into the playoffs. We're four games out of the 10th spot or whatever, to just to get in the playoff game, I mean the playing game. Um, then what are we? What are we? jockeying for (laughs) like do we just go full on tank or do we just try to deceive our fans and make them think that we're trying to play for a playoff appearance where we'll just get smoked by whoever the number one seed is so um or number two seed whatever I don't know how the whole seeding thing will turn out (laughs) but you know what I'm saying yeah so um but right now you know I think that at the trade deadline the Wizards had to do one thing, if you're going to keep Russell Westbrook and, and, Jay, and uh, Bradley Bill, you owe it to them to make a serious effort to put a competitive team out there. I mean, that, that's just, that's how I feel. And um, it's just disappointing to me as uh, just somebody who's observed the Wizards for all these years to sort of see them go down this path where they're not even trying to touch mediocrity. Like they're worse than that. They're at this place where you know, like you, you're somebody who's been interested in, in the Wizards for a long time. You don't even care. 
And so I can only imagine like you have to be somebody who's just just really loves to torture yourself to sit there and watch these games because even if they win, like what are they winning? And if they lose, what like, you know, so I always felt like either you make a trade to try to get some uh, some top caliber talent in here. Um, and, and, and you saw at the deadline, um, what did, what did Miami give up to get Victor Oladipo? They didn't really give up anything of significance. They didn't have a lot to give up. A salary, basically. And... Yeah, but, you know, the Wizards should think like that. So, you know? so like, even like that, like, I mean, this is like the thing I, I was on with, uh, you know, our pal Fred Katz on his podcast the other day, and, and we kind of went through what they could do before the deadline. And I, <laughs> to, to not lose the audience, I, I, I didn't say what I really wanted to say, which is like, dude, what do we do? This is a waste of our time. But I, like, I broke down sort of like the roster, what's realistic. Like I said, I would, I, I would trade anybody, but realistically, Everybody. I'm not going to, realistically, they are not going to trade Beal. They're not going to trade Rui Hachimura. They're not going to trade Denny Avdia. You can't trade Russell Westbrook. And Bertans is on the line. Like, I don't, you could trade him, but I don't know what, I, I'm nobody's just, touching that contract with the season he's having. Right, right. You're going to take back something else. You're like, eh, I might as well just stay with him at this point. So, and then everybody else you could have, but there's nothing that exciting. Like, I, I, I I, even if like the money worked, I don't, I don't know, but even if the money worked to say trade Robin Lopez, Ish Smith and uh, Jerome Robinson to get Victor Oladipo, like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, no, I mean, it's not, it's not an exciting, sexy package. I mean, I'm not saying that they could even have gotten him, but, uh, but like, you know, be on Andre Drummond, right. You know, that he is available, right. You know, that Cleveland would rather trade him than buy him out. Um, why not just take a flyer on him? You know, well, he's apparently like, he's oh. getting bought out by the way, in like the last hour. Apparently, no, 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 he's, I know he's going to. I'm saying, yeah. but beforehand, like before, before he even gets to that point where oh, right, right. Before the winds line, up right. getting them, you have to jump to the front of the line and be like, okay, let's just let's just get somebody who can provide an interior presence for us, who at least gives us, you know, something we don't have, which is rebounding. And you know, and that, that you know, it's, it's sort of undervalued now in this day and age where everybody shoots threes and just runs and nobody crashes the boards anyway. But I feel like at least you're making, you're at least telling Brad and, and Russ like, Hey man, sit tight. We're trying to do something here. Or, you know, just do, do something like, give me, give me some, some semblance of hope that you, that you care, you know, um, about, you know, the direction of the organization and, and, and with these two guys at the leader of it, as the leaders of it, um, you know, I can't think of another organization that has two all-star caliber guys that just sits on their hands like everything's just going to take care of itself. The Chicago Bulls have one all-star, and they're like, yo, we're just going to do it. <laughs> like, we don't care about these young guys and waiting to see them develop. We got to do something now because Zach Levine's ready to go, and we got to see what we can do with this group and, and move forward with that. Even and if it so, cost them Otto Porter, the this, sorry. Yeah, Otto, man. He's, is he getting bought out? I haven't really seen it. It seems like I heard that, yeah, I heard that, get... I heard that that's, he's, a, he's a candidate to get bought out. Um, he just got, I don't know why he can't stay healthy, man. Yeah. It's just I'm, That was always the biggest thing. I've seen some people on Twitter, like, you know, kind of come back. And I'm like, look, I always said day one, it, I don't know if he can stay healthy. But as a player, yeah, he's, I mean, he, he, was, he, was, he was fragile from the jump. I mean, he came yeah. in with a hip injury, um, you know, and then he had, you know, and, and, and honestly – he hasn't been the same since he played in that playoff series 
when he had the, the, the problem, you know, for Washington. Like, he shouldn't have played in that playoff series. And, again, as an organization, if you give a guy a $100 million contract, why are you putting him on the court and allowing him to endanger his future, you know, for, like, you know, like, why would you do that? Like, um, it's, it's just – it's just it's just a lot of, of problems with this franchise, and I would be highly upset as a fan, you know, if I'm committing my my attention and my uh, adulation to this place where they don't seem to care about providing me with hope. Yeah. Like, what are you selling, Wizards fans? What are you telling them? What are you telling them? What what are they what are they supposed to get excited about? The future? What future? There is no future. It's supposed to be right now. That's what you're investing in, right? Yeah. I'm, supposed be, I'm, I'm supposed to be excited about this present where the team is watching Bradley Bill get 30 a night and losing by 20. Like, what am I supposed to get excited about? Oh, you beat the Nets twice? Like, I'm supposed to have a parade for that? Like, like give me something that I can really get behind and, and give me something that's real. And sometimes, you know, I think, you know, organizations that at least commit to one thing, you know, you, you can um, – you know, you, you can hit you can hit rock bottom, right? But you might actually hit the top. But at some point, you got to commit to something and go for it. You know, um, and the Wizards right now are—I don't want to say they're at a crossroads because I don't even think that they—they're on the road. They oh just no, I there. agree. They're—they're they're, they're definitely in a ditch, and realistically, they may be in a ditch until Westbrook's contract is over. That's assuming at that point they haven't already given Bradley Beal a supermax to which. He is a great player, but, you know, every time they give one of these all-in deals, it doesn't seem to work out at that point. It's- exactly. And we and we already know, we've, we're seeing right now what the ceiling of a Bradley Bill-led team is, right. right? Especially if you don't surround him with elite talent. Like, look at, look at the Nets. They have Kevin Durant, who is a two-time finals MVP and MVP. They have James Harden, who's a former MVP, been to the finals. They have Kyrie Irving, who's a champion, all multiple time MV, um, um, all-star, right? They have three of the best players in the Eastern Conference in the NBA altogether. But you know what? They are still just signing everybody they can. They trade for everybody they can. They're trying to add every piece they can to stay relevant because they know that you need as much talent as possible if you're going to be competing for something of significance in this league. So they're so, getting Blake Griffin. They're getting all these other guys, and sure. they become a destination with that. But if you have a Bradley Bill and you have Russell – you have to be aggressive. You have to be an aggressor. And you have to say, you know what? If we miss on some of these picks, if we miss on some of these guys, or we feel like we got to move them, you know, somebody else, maybe you think they can do something with them. So be it, but go for it, man. Like, All right, so, or, 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 go, or be like Orlando and say, you know what? We suck. Let's just do a straight fire sale and just provide our fans with some, some kind of hope, right? Like you saw these tweets. Well, they're going to rebuild around – Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz. That's not exactly an exciting core of a, of a, you know, championship future. Right. But they're selling that their fans that, you know, and if you're a fan of Orlando magic, you're saying, okay, where it's not about right now. It's about the future. If you're a fan of the Washington wizards, what are you watching them for? Yeah. What and and so you- to, you know, I'm with you. And to that point, and I want to veer into something else, but like Orlando, the difference between Orlando and the wizards is that, now that Orlando shed, they got rid of Aaron Gordon, Nick Vucevic, Evan Fournier. You mentioned Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, Terrence Ross. I think those are like the three big contracts. All of that, though, is workable. Two really young players. I don't necessarily agree, like you that they're going to be rotation guys for a title team. But you can at least say, okay, we have those young guys plus all this other picks we just got. 
and Terrence Ross is just a solid vet, whatever they can yeah. move him, whatever. That that's at least tanking it, it, with the piece you have going the right direction. Like I said, if you trade Bradley Beal, you still have Westbrook. It's going the wrong direction. So that's why, like it's just hard to figure this out what to do. So, but let's try to figure out what we could realistically do within within the logic of them. Like we could sit here all day and say what we, what we would do, but yeah, here's where they are. So they're going to have so i guess on some level start with this you can't trade westbrook we've already established that nope you can go into the offseason determine if you want to trade bradley beal i have been saying if you are going to trade i would have waited rather than do it now more teams will be available to, to make a play for him and and things like that you can whatever so i would have waited i'm fine if they do want to wait but i i'm still sort of torn on that to be super honest you could either essentially as we're saying or you're saying either a take your, your Rui Hachimuras, your Denny Avdias, whatever this lottery pick you're going to get, take those things separately or in some combination and throw them out to bring in vets because you have Beal and you have Westbrook, go for it. Or you, you go, gotta go for it. So, go ahead, so, so which of those would you go? I mean, uh, without knowing the exact trades, would you, would you get rid of Beal and go that way? Or would you get rid of the, the lottery pick Hachimura and, and Denny and go that way? Um, or some combination do, of all. Honestly, you know what I do? I look at Detroit as a role model for what they're doing right now. They had two veterans and Derrick Rose and Brett Griffin and were like, you know what? We're not going to be anything. We're going to be bad, okay? And you guys don't deserve to be on a bad team. So, Derrick, where do you want to go? Want to go back to New York, play for your guy, Tiz? Here you go. Bye. Enjoy life. Blake. We know you're on a contract that's really tough and we won't be able to trade you, but we want to give you an opportunity to play for something to maybe revitalize your career, get you excited, get your motor going a, get a bit. So it's going to cost us a lot of money. It's going to cost you some money too, but how about we just go our separate ways and buy you out? I think that's something they should negotiate with Russ and say, Russ, this probably isn't what you want right now for your career. Like you, you know, asked to be traded from Oklahoma City because you didn't want to be a part of a rebuild. We're actually going to be rebuilding. So, Russ, how about you give us a little money back? We'll let you go wherever you want to go. If you want to go to Miami, you want to go wherever you want to be, we will we'll, we'll accommodate you so you have a chance to play for something of significance. You want to go to the Clippers, whatever. We'll let you go home, do whatever you want. Um, so we'll, just we'll eat. We'll eat the money because right now it's not doing anything for us. So okay? just to put this, uh, just to put emphasize this point, the next two seasons, Russ Westbrook is owed forty four point two million, and on the assumption he's going to pick up the player option, forty seven. Yes, yes, we yeah. forty seven. So he's owed effectively ninety one million dollars <laughs> over yeah. the next two years. So even if like I don't even know what the buyout number would be, let's just say they agree to seventy million. I'm making mm -hmm. that up. Or 80, yeah. yeah. That's still an insane amount of money that they're going to have to pay a guy to leave. And they traded away John Wall and the first to do it. Now, I do – so I guess the question is, let's just say that Westbrook is willing to accept that. So yeah, now, saying, it ain't my money, so I could just do whatever, right? right? So I don't care. So let's just say Westbrook is willing to accept that. So what we're saying is – and I don't disagree with this because my biggest hang-up is if you're going to tank, how are you tanking with a guy who's going to go all out and try to win? I mean, you can't – Whatever. Okay. So yeah. that said, are you willing to eat $80 million and get nothing, not just the money, you're not getting back any compensation, no, no picks, no nothing 
just to move on. Is that do you think that's better if you're the Wizards than actually to have Russell Westbrook, the player, the slash role model for whatever kids you have? Well, I, I, I'll ask him. You know what I'm saying? Like, is this what you want? Like, we're gonna stink. Just, just I just tell him straight up, we're gonna stink because we're gonna trade Bradley Bill. We're gonna get everything we can for him while we can. Like, because we're starting over. Now, if you want to be a part of that and spend the last couple years of your prime playing for a team that's headed nowhere, then fine. We'll we'll love you because we we know you're a good leader. We know you're somebody that can you know teach these guys the ropes and how. But no, you're going to lose a lot of games. Now, if you want to just do it for one more year, and then we try to work out that last year, you know, of, of some other some sort of agreement where we we may you just want to do one more year of this, then we can do that too. But right now, where we're headed and what we need to do as an organization is we need to really get more elite talent on this roster. Okay, we can't get elite talent through trades. Okay, we can't get elite talent through free agency because our money's kind of tied up right now. But we can't get elite talent through the draft. And that means we're going to have to lose a lot of games for that to happen. And we can also get talent in trade. If we get a good deal for Bradley Bill, we can get some young talent in here. We can get some young pieces. We can get some draft picks. And that's the only way we're going to be able to move forward. Because right now, we, like you said, we are in a ditch. And we cannot even get on the road to reach a crossroads until we get out of this ditch. And you can help us get out of this ditch. And, uh, and it's only going to, you're only going to eat this for two years, right? going to eat it for two years and in that two years you're not doing anything anyway you're not going to be any good so you're going to be a, a bad team but you know what you will never have to worry about um you know the um you know reaching the the uh whatever the uh the salaries you know bottom right because <laughs> right. you still have money committed to to russ that'll be eating up your cap which is fine because you're going to have guys on your know, either their rookie deals or or, or or you know some g-leaguers that are just going to fill out your roster so you're not committed to, you know, anything beyond these next two years. And then once you've spent that time developing these young guys, it's go time, right? So you go ahead and in two years, these young guys are getting their experience. They're getting their playing time. They're figuring out, they're going through the ropes. They're, they're losing, but they're learning. And then, then you, then at least you're selling the fans something like right now, if I'm a Pistons fan, like, yeah, the team sucks right now. The team is not going to be any good. But you're watching some young guys have some nice games. You're seeing them. You're seeing that there's a plan that's coming together. Like, they're going to be bad, but eventually they're going to get some talent, you know, right. to come, come up there. So if you're going to rebuild, you got to think about ways that you're going to rebuild. And so, like I said, you start with trade and build. And so, then you talk so to Russ about what – Right. No, let's get that because I guess in my head, it almost feels like you have to have the rust conversation first on some level, because like, like if he, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess my thing is like, if you're, if I'm committing to trade Beal, then I got, for me, I got to, then Westbrook has to go. And if you, I I don't know if I believe that Ted Leonsis is going to buy out Westbrook. Like the whole reason why I kept thinking. Ted Leonsis is not going to do that. (laughs) Right. Right. And so like the whole reason I kept thinking like why whether he does or didn't want to move on from Scott Brooks, that there was no chance he was going like, typically you don't let the head coach go into the last year of the deal. You extend or you move on. Um, But between the pandemic and just everything else, I was like, there's no way he's going to eat $7 million. That's 7 million. (laughs) Westbrook has 91 million, uh, you know, to to get nothing out of it. So um, I don't know, but let's, so let's just say for argument's sake, 
they were willing to do that. Now we talk about trading Bradley Beal. Now, of course, with the draft coming up, you don't quite know how things will shape. I don't, I haven't loved any of the packages that have been out there. The Golden State one was sort of, I don't know if Golden State was actually offering it, but the one that people, the fake trades, where you're getting James Wiseman, the, the Timberwolves, top three protected pick, and then obviously whatever else money you have to get back. Sort of interesting. Let's, I don't know if that's the one to do. Um, we can probably rule Denver out finally after they made their trade for Aaron Gordon. They, they're, they're in. Is there anything out there that if you're actually trading Bradley Beal, that actually seems interesting to your idea of, okay, well, let's give the fans something to be excited about. Is there something that even jumps to your mind that that, that would be interesting enough to, to, to consider moving him? Well, I know the minute you say Bradley Beal is available, <laughs> you're going to get a phone call from at least half the league. And you're going to get some offers that are probably that you don't even expect to get because he's that good. And you're going to get some teams that are willing to give you the world for, you know, you're going to get at least if Drew Holiday got five picks, you're going to get at least five picks for Bradley Bill. You're going to get at least five picks for Bradley Bill. So that's a start. Right. And then, you know, then from there, you can go, you can go for just players, you know, young talent and young, and young prospects out there. Um, you'll be able to play teams around the league against each other. You could even try to get, a multiple team tree, trade going where you can maybe some team may have a young prospect that might not wind up getting Bradley Bill, but they want some more picks. And then you can do that too. So there are multiple ways around it. The minute you put Bradley on the Bradley Bill on the market, you're bound to get a good return. Okay. It's just, what do you want to do after you get that good return? Do you punt it away like Houston did when they got a decent return for James Harden? Or do you keep those pieces and develop them? I don't, I don't know. Ideally, uh, who it would be like if I'm looking at say my the Miami Heat they just got Oladipo now so he may just be a rental he might want to yes I know he wants to be there and be there for a long term but you know everything that Miami wasn't willing to give up for Oladipo they'd be willing to give up for Bradley Bill you know um, same way with everybody else that was trying to get Kyle Lowry or whatever um, whatever you want at this point you're going to get it because he's so, that good so so let me ask you this how old is Bradley Bill right now 26 27 he was born in 93, so he'd be so 28, he'll be 28 at some point. This year. Okay. Yeah. So if we're saying they're going to, one way or the other, it's going to have to wait two years before anything happens. Okay. Can I convince you to wait the two years? Like, keep Bradley Beal. You, you will have now added the first round pick for this year, possibly another lottery pick the following year. I'm not arguing that this is the ideal plan. I'm just saying if you wait the two years, Westbrook comes off the, the books, then Bradley Beal roughly is 30 years old. You've now added multiple picks. You have Hachimura, you have uh, Danny Avdia. I don't know what they'll be, but you have those guys. Can I, can I, cause my, my, I guess my thing is like, I become very disenchanted with first round picks, especially if it's from like, if a, if a content like the, the the Drew Holiday yeah, trade, like, yeah, if it's like late twenties, yeah, that's right. Not a tra- like they get pick swapped from the Bucks. Like, <laughs> what what's that doing for for uh, this the Pelicans? Nothing. So like I, like at least like Wiseman, like I have a sense of what he might be. That could becomes more interesting. And then the top, if you're lucky, that Timberwolves are like a top four pick. But just picks in general, I'm not excited. So unless I'm getting a tangible player, I, I don't know. So could we make the argument? I understand what you're saying in the short term that might suck for fans, but make keep Beal, wait out Westbrook unless you want to buy him out, but that would be sort of nuts if you're keeping Beal. 
So wait it out and then see where you're at with Beal at 30. Westbrook's big contract comes off the book. Maybe by then you could even trade Bertans because at that point he will have a fewer time left on the deal. And now you have Bradley Beal, possibly four recent first round picks, the money from Westbrook. And look, Bradley Beal wants to stay. I think that at least he's been showing that for whatever the reason, whether it's the money or he really likes it here. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both. I think I think I think he likes being the man. I think right. he likes not having to defer to somebody right now. And for and considering how we know that people historically have not wanted to be here, what for whatever reason, I don't discount that. So what about that argument? Going that path, say bite the bullet for the next two years, don't do anything else stupid in terms of uh, signing up more guys. Go with this group, hope for the best, and because we still have to talk about the coaching. The, the coach and the front office and we'll get to that in a second but can I convince you of that path no <laughs> no I <laughs> I mean I, I heard what you said and I think it sounds good but like say if the Wizards decide to start all over this 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 summer uh this offseason and they say okay we need a new GM new coach we're gonna go in a different direction I don't think there's a GM out there that's gonna sit there show up and be like you know what let's just see how it goes for two years right. and then we'll go from there no, you got to come in with some sort of vision about what you're trying to build. And I feel like right now what's lacking, and it's not even just from the front office or the coaching, I think it's from the ownership. There is no vision. I mean, we're talking about who has the money to eat that. Well, in Detroit, the owner there is a billionaire, right? And so he's willing to eat that because he's, he's worth billions of dollars and he doesn't really care. Uh, in Washington, but uh, you got what, Lauren Jobs, right? Yes. She's worth a lot of money. Yes. And, and I think she wants to compete and play, you know, and put together field a, a pretty competitive team. Possibly. I would think she does. Um, so she could eat that contract if, if it's an issue, <laughs> if we want to like, but I think we need to have, you know, a vision from ownership that goes beyond just trying to put together a playoff team. Like the Wizards have been really just, this has been a bad 40 year run, man. This is a 40 year run. Not a four-year run, not a five-year run, not a 10-year run, not a 20-year run. This is a 40-year run. It's my it's what, basically my entire life. And what at what point do you say, okay, we're done with just trying to just be a playoff team? At what point do you just say we're gonna commit to trying to be a competitive team? Like you gotta try at some point, you know. Um, and that 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 was my whole issue. And we've talked about this, you know, a lot, you know. Um, back when they had John and Brad and they were sort of creeping and coming up, you know, I felt like right before. Well, that know, was Durant, your big thing. Right before they, they went all in on the the, the the Kevin Durant thing, you said, hey, why did you punt on the, I think it was 2015. The year before that. I thought yeah. they should have gone in right then and there. Because again, if they had gone in at that moment, the year before Durant became a free agent, he might have viewed the Wizards differently. Right. He might have viewed them as an organization that's serious about trying to put a competitive team out there. It's, it's, it's the organizations that, that um, for lack of a better phrase, that, that, that show some balls. Those well, are the teams. vision. Like, yeah, but, but, those, we... but those, those are the teams that go out there and, and, they, and they get things done. Like, think about this. Um, the Brooklyn Nets, right? You know, they, they're, they're seen as sort of an example of a team that, you know, has gone, gone all in a couple times, right? Um, you know, they, they, they blew it with the, uh, the big trade with, with Boston, but you know, so what they tried, they went for it. I always, you know, um, and I think sometimes, you know, that stuff is sort of 
looked upon by players is like, okay, well, that's the organization I want to be with. They're serious about going about doing this. They're serious about that. Like they're not, they're not, they're not hesitating and waiting around and saying, well, you know, maybe in two years we might be able to do X, Y, Z. There is no two years. You don't know what two years from now is going to look like. Um, two years ago, we didn't expect that this would be the way the NBA landscape would be. You know, we didn't think that, you know, the Clippers and the Nets would be team organizations that you really want to model your franchise after, you know, so, um, but that's, that's where we are now. Yeah. Um, so, so let me ask you this. So like, we're talking mainly about the roster, but there are other massive decisions that are going to have to be this, come up this, this off season. Scott Brooks's contract is over one way or the oh, other. Sorry, one, one thing I, I do, I want to say yeah. one thing. I, I feel like I, I was rambling earlier, but when I say that they, they went for it, that, that, that didn't just, mean for Kevin Durant and Kyrie it meant something to um to James Harden to see that they're going for it that's that's when he left he abandoned Houston because he went to an organization that's that's about trying to go for it even though they had nice young prospects you got to go for it man there is no tomorrow yeah if you're willing if you're willing to commit and by the way just as an example of this the one year that the Wizards went for it I'm air quoting this when they went into the luxury tax when John Wall got hurt, they unloaded Otto Porter. Again, you can argue whether they should have given the money or not, but they argue, they, they offloaded Otto Porter, a guy who they just gave a crap ton of money to for literally nothing, long-term assets. They got nothing back. They got two guys on expiring contracts and some second-round pick. That is that is the opposite of it's fake. It's, it's you know the fake hustle term I've used before. You fake like you're willing to go into the tax, but once the John Wall thing ended, I was like, oh, screw that. We're getting out of the tax. And then they traded the third the guy they drafted third overall that you just committed all this money to for nothing, showing that the commitment wasn't there. And by the way, you traded Kelly Oubre away earlier in the season, who I'm not saying I was the biggest fan of. But if in the back of your head you were even going to open the opportunity to trade out a Porter, you should have kept Kelly Oubre because then exactly. you could be like you at least have the guy behind him. You could be like, well, no we're going to yeah. There's no there's no uh, vision. So speaking of vision. So again, part of this, what's going to happen for the Wizards this offseason, for real, everything we're talking about is somewhat hypothetical, probably not happening. I don't think they're going to try to trade Beal and, again, buying out Westbrook seems impossible. But they have to figure out a coach situation, whether that's to keep Scott Brooks after his deal ends or go in another direction. And we're not positive on Tommy Shepard's contract. There's a sense his deal is through the end of this year, but as we learned in the Ernie Grunfeld era, <laughs> could be secrets, it could be secret <laughs> you never deals. Know. You never know. So it feels like there's two potential paths here. I mean, there could be a hundred, but two potential out of the box paths. The, 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 they could stay pat or, you know, keep Tommy and uh, just have, uh, you know, Robert Pack be the coach, whatever. But the, the two big paths, one is, the, the the you know the 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 fancy GM uh, name obviously Kobe Masai because he's a free agent right we you know we've talked about this before Masai Jiri you know was discussed a couple of years ago I reported others reported it whatever so that's one path and you know some minor rumblings about it again but who knows but yes he is a free agent at the end of the year and clearly will be in demand by everybody logically I don't need seventy eight people to tell me he should be in demand that's pretty obvious. <laughs> Right, one way or the other. Okay, so you could go down that path, and you mentioned Jobs, the the the, the second person. That, like, I, I'm I'm not convinced that Ted Leontis he has way more money than I do, but between yeah. he's already not the majority owner. We've discussed this before. He's the, the 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 main partner, but he's not the majority owner. And now he's had two his two teams dealing with a pandemic. He clearly has had to, has taken a financial hit 
I get that. So I don't know what he can do, but she, that the money isn't an issue from, from that, from her perspective. So that to me is interesting nope. on multiple fronts. So you could go all in on Masai if she gets in and that becomes another whole thing. So that's one path. And it doesn't have to yep. be just Masai. It could be somebody else, but he's just an obvious name. He, here's the other. He would path. bring automatic buzz to DC. Just 100%. 100%. Now, here's the other thing. I have said when people say, what do you mean Ted Leonsis doesn't spend? Look at the money he's given to John Wall, to Bradley Beal, right? And I say, well, he has shown the, the inclination to spend on the overt product, something that when he does that, there will be an obvious profit margin coming back. Even Scott Brooks. That was not like Scott Brooks had coached in an NBA finals, had some right, you know, re- legit recognition from Oklahoma City and all that. So here's the here's the obvious thing for that there. You could, I guess, go out and spend money on a big name coach who's available. I I, I don't necessarily know if I, I don't know who that coach is right now. Right. Or or you become the first owner in professional sports to hire a female head coach and go hire Becky Hammond, which wouldn't financially would not cost you tons of money because and because you know she's an assistant just any assistant getting a head coaching job is going to make a ton of money the the the, the amount of a, a, a of goodwill of interest money that would be made by the organization off of doing that would be massive and that would be a way for for them to generate revenue even if they left the roster the exact same way nobody would be viewing the wizards in the same way because of that situation now i don't necessarily know that becky hammond is the best person for the job she's been she has now been an assistant for a while there are people who say um you know why not her and i don't just mean that because why not her i just mean like that you know hey she's been around uh, you know enough and and obviously working with greg popovich he's no fool by any stretch so there might be that and you know it doesn't necessarily have to be becky hammond but she's the obvious candidate because where where, where she is in this league i think to me like and i'm not this is not reporting right but i'm just saying like that to me, if we're talking, what are the moves that could be realistically be made? I actually think that one is as bad as realistic as it comes in terms of what makes sense for what Ted Leontis is looking to do historically. And if they're going to have to bring in a new coach, uh, th- there's going to be no buzz if you just bring in retread whomever, or yeah. you know, I mean, even if you bring in the 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 Nick Nurse guy who could be. The, the 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 best hire there won't be a lot of buzz off the a, a random assistant so i actually yeah, think yeah, yeah. that so what, what do you think of that path or either of those paths i guess is one if more realistic than the other or like what what would you what would your take be on the uh, the gm uh coach situations again what's your vision what are you trying to do what are you hoping to accomplish um if you want to rebuild if you're committing to a rebuild then I don't think it matters. You want to hire a young coach that the organization can grow with, that you hope the organization can grow with. Somebody who you feel has the potential and the patience to develop young guys while also being able to, when you decide to, you know, hit the accelerator and start competing, is capable of doing that as well. And that's going to be a challenge. So um, I think that that's something that you have to decide what you want to do. And I think that's the direction that the Wizards need to go in. Um, so I don't know who that coach is. Um, I mean, I know Becky Hammond's a name that's out there. I've always been somebody who feels like a guy like David Vanterpool uh, in Minnesota would be a good fit, you know, because he he's from DC. He's from this area. And, and, and I think that, you know, he's, all, he's worked with, you know, CJ McCollum and uh, Damian Lillard in Portland. So he knows how to kind of, you know, work with guards. Um, so, I mean, for somebody who knows the area, 
who's worked with elite players. Um, I think he could come here and sort of be the guy you could build with on a, on a, on the way up, um, is or or just somebody like that. Um, so I, I don't I don't I don't care if it's him or Becky Hammond or anybody. I feel like either way you have to commit to whatever that strategy is because I think the Wizards the last five years under Scott Brooks, the main issue is that even though they hired Scott Brooks, they never really had a grand plan, right? They hired Scott Brooks to do what? What was his main goal when they hired him? Maybe get a conversation with Durant, possibly. <laughs> uh, and then if that didn't work out, maybe they did get, get, the they, did get they did get a star from that Oklahoma City team. What are you talking about? Exactly. But if you know what I'm saying, like, yeah, uh, in, in terms of like what his purpose was. And I think that that's how things went sideways, because, you know, the first year turned out pretty well. But after that, it fell apart. And a lot of that had to do with John Wall's injury and things, uh, injuries um, that sort of, you know, derailed what the direction of the franchise. But I also think that there wasn't any kind of direction, you know. And that, that last year you mentioned, uh, you know, trading Otto, trading Kelly, trading all these guys. That was such a desperate push for something that really didn't matter in the long run. If the Wizards had made the playoffs in 20 in that year, um, they still would have stunk it up. They would have they wouldn't have lasted very long in the postseason. And um, it again, I just feel like when you're wasting everybody's time, at some point you have to like make their investment in you worthwhile. And I'm just wondering when that day is going to come. Um, and I don't believe that you know the last decade of Wizards basketball has been an encouraging. Uh, period to believe that this is an organization that's committed to anything um, that, 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 that shows a commitment to any type of vision. Um, and, you know, that, that, that was one of the reasons why I felt bad about the Westbrook trade, not because I had anything against Westbrook. I just felt that, you know, when you make a trade like that, you're sending a message to Brad um, and to Russ, right? You're saying we're going to be a competitive team. But then once you stop there and don't do anything after that to build a competitive team, you're 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 not helping anybody in that situation. And I just I just I just feel like they're they're wasting the talents of Bradley Bill, and they're wasting what I think is a it's not the greatest year by Russell Westbrook, but they're wasting one of his last few really true productive years, and um, it's disappointing, you know, because these these are great players. And they deserve better um, than an organization that doesn't seem to care about what they're what what kind of product they're putting out on the floor. Um, just to tick off a couple boxes to make sure we, we 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 cover all the bases. I'm not under the impression that there's an assistant. Forget what the fan reaction would be. I'm not I'm not under the impression that there's an assistant coach currently on the roster that you would say is the obvious guy. Robert Pack's been an assistant. He would probably be the guest, the guy, Tony Brown. You're a guy around the league. You can just give me a quick here. Is there, is there anybody on the roster that you think is even in the consideration if they were to move on or no? No, I think that's sort of been the issue. Um, that's why Scott has been never been in danger of losing his job. There hasn't been a replacement. At least when um, you had uh, Randy Whitman, I mean, yes, uh, no, when you had Randy Whitman, when you had um, flips on as you had Randy Whitman there so they could get out of that contract a little earlier and then have Randy Whitman just sort of do the job because he had already been a coach head coach in the NBA before so 
you know, you had that option right now. And there's no Nick Nurse to uh, Dwayne Casey. The yeah, way and there's, there's nobody. Yeah, there's nobody on your staff that like has that you've groomed, say, from your G League that's had success that you can just say, okay, we're gonna just eventually hire this guy. Like this is, um, I don't know. I I I don't I don't see that person out there. But okay. um, but again, you know, if you're going to start all over this summer, you know, make sure you hire the GM and make sure that you hire a GM that has a vision that can, you know, hire the, hire the coach that's going to, you know, come through with that division. And even if you decide to say, you know, we like what Tommy's done, you know, he's been, you know, in a tough situation. He's made the best of, you know, some really difficult challenges. We want to see what he can do with his own coach, you know, let him do it. Um, but let's at least try to follow through on a plan. And right now I, I feel like their plan is just to get through the next day. A hundred percent. It's been that way. And like, even with that, like my next question was going to be, what do we think about just the idea of, 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 of keeping Tommy? And like, I get it. Like on some level, be like, look, you know, people he's viewed by some people, just an extension of, of, of what, what was Ernie Grunfeld. Cause he was the number two. And at some point, just regardless of what anybody has done, just move on. It's just been the same thing for forever. Um, that, that said, I think that Tommy has done a reasonable job, all things considered, because of the circumstances. I think the biggest test will be what happens with Rui Hachimura and Denny Avdia the rest of the way. Those were like we can I can I can blame a lot of things on direction from ownership, but unless ownership said, which who knows, that you need to draft the the, the player from the Japanese market and the Israeli market, because I'd like to corner the world. Um, you know, Tommy Shepard made these decisions and have those view come come out. Well, I think determine a lot about how he's viewed as a GM. I don't blame him. No matter what happens with the Westbrook trade, that 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 was the ownership had to sign off on that thing. If of course. Not, if not push it. So whatever happens there, that's not on him. Um, probably on some level, the bird's hands thing as well. So uh, I think that one's interesting. But yes, to that point, if he stays, let him make the calls. Don't, don't, because it's because like, I'm sure Scott Brooks, who is already the, the coach making 7 million a year, I'm going to guess Tommy Shepard's not making that. Uh, he says, uh, jokingly, uh, the, who, who was really in charge? Could Tommy Shepard really push Scott Brooks on things like including Troy Brown or, you know, like that, like, again, like the one hand washing the other Tommy, Tommy Shepard helped pick Troy Brown to a head coach who clearly didn't like that type of player. You got to get on the same page. Here's our plan. New coach. We want to do these things. We have these people. What do you say to that? And if you find a person who says, Let's do it. I'm in, Bob. And I understand you're going to push me to do certain things. Great. Then go do that route. If not, then you need to move on from all of it and start over from scratch with a hierarchy that, that, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just think it all comes down to just have a vision that goes beyond just being average. Like, cause you think about it, making the 16 of the 30 NBA teams make the playoffs. So that means if you just get in, you're just right there in the middle, right? You're not great, uh, but if you if that's your if that's your whole purpose is just to be right there in the middle, at what point do you get out of that and try to be at the top? You know, I I I I think that Wizards fans deserve better than that. They've been committed for a long time with a with a franchise that doesn't seem to want to give them anything but just little sparks, you know, of hope. And I think that you got to give them more than that after a 40 year run of just, of just nothing to get excited about. I mean, you can go down, you can find every team in the league 
um, and see at least one or two years where their fans could really be excited about their team and think they were headed somewhere. Um, the Wizards are like, you know, man, we look really good in game seven uh, of the Eastern Conference semifinals. Like, that is just – that's pretty lame, man. Yeah. That's pretty lame. That's all you can give your fans is just like uh, a couple of second-round appearances. It's like the what, what you want to hang up in the rafters. Yeah, a hundred – a hundred percent. I told Michael before we started, I was going to try to not make this so depressing about the Wizards, but you know, this is, this is it's where, hard. This... It's, it's impossible to discuss the Wizards and be a beat. Yeah. No, I mean, real. honestly, like, so, I, and, yeah. Yeah. So I was going to say, maybe, I don't know if we'll get there here, but this, this is a quick couple of thoughts. So the, the, the hope beyond what Bradley Beal's having a, another great year is Hachimura and, and Danny Avia. I don't know if I've gotten your takes in a while on them, um, you can just give your Twitter size takes if you want. You have you liked anything you've seen out of them? I know you're watching, probably not watching the Wizards. Every not, game. I'm, not, I'm not watching them all the time. Um, and you know, and I, I haven't, I haven't even seen Denny play. He, he doesn't play enough for me to get excited about it one way or another. Um, so what I, I like about problem. what I like about him is, I mean, look, he's a, he's a young player. I, I give every, I give everybody in life a pass for this past year. He's a oh, know, yeah. young kid coming over from another country, no training For camp, sure. no summer. I mean, no real training camp, no summer league. He's shown some flashes, but my issue with him, it's similar to the issue that Troy Brown had. The One of the better parts of his game is the ability to pass and to, to have the ball and know what to do with it. He's on the team with two ball dominant point guards, and then exactly. there's other point guards beyond that. So he's not being put in the position to have the ball funnel through him a lot. And, like, I think that one of the issues, like, even if they sort of want to keep this group together for whatever the reason, you've got Rui Hachimura and Dallas Bertan. They're not the same player, but they basically play the same position. And you have Denny Avdia. None of those three guys are great defenders. None of them are nope. rim protectors. Um, and Denny, like part of his game gets cut short playing with Beal and Westbrook, I would say. How do you how do you maximize that? And I do wonder, even if they keep this thing, do you have to, between those three guys, maybe do look to say – if not, maybe make a trade in some way, not because you're upset with them, but because, okay, well, how do we, you know, if you put your best five players on the court right now. Yeah. We haven't, well, we haven't even mentioned Daniel Gafford or, or uh, Chandler Hutchinson, but okay. Uh, now, they're, they're actually decent players. Like, they're, like not, they're not scrubs. It's just, like you just, you haven't really, you haven't in, increased your, your team's chances of being competitive. You just, you just traded meh for meh. You know, you haven't really, done any upgrades i will say about Rui. just that i do like what i've seen for him on the defensive end i like the fact that he's not afraid of taking on those challenges i've seen him some nights you know really make some elite players work at it work work for it like he's not just surrendering anything he's a competitive guy um you know and i think that that those type of players are what you want on your roster you want guys who are going to go out there and not back down uh, from a challenge and you know if you're trying to build a culture of, you know, workers and guys who are going to compete, you know, he's, he's, he's somebody you want to be a part of that. Um, but, but other than that, man, I, I, I honestly am so confused by this roster that I can't really feel like I can fairly assess what they have. I can't really fairly assess who they are, what they're supposed to be because they're with an organization that doesn't really seem to know what they want to do and, or how to utilize them in a way that's going to maximize their gifts and their talents. And I feel that's why when I say, I repeat it again, it's going to be the theme here. When I'm saying they're wasting everybody's time, 
they are they are they are wasting their young guys' time too because they don't know if they're any good or not. They don't know if they're scrubs. They just know they're not getting being utilized the way they should be. When I, I said I'm speaking about Denny, I think he's just sitting there kind of confused. It's like, what's my purpose? What am I doing here? And we've seen it happen time and time again, especially from players they draft from overseas. They bring them here and they just sit them on the bench and then they just sit there and lose their confidence. And then if it doesn't work out, they're saying, oh, they just, they, they stunk. No, they joined an organization that had no vision about what they're going to do once they got them. They just thought they're just going to throw them on the court and they were going to be great. That doesn't happen for 80% of the league. You got to have a franchise that drafts you and says, you know what, we see you as this and we're going to help you become that while, while you're here. Wizards don't seem to ever do that. They never seem to focus on development of their guys. They never seem to focus on trying to bring out the best of their talent. Um, they always seem to be just hoping for the best and hoping they get lucky. Well, they're, they're the only time that's happened is with John and, and with Brad. One time they really got lucky because those guys turned out to be really good basketball players. But I don't think it's because of anything that the Wizards did. I think it was mostly because those guys just wanted to be great. And if you're not one of those players that that has that inside of you, has that drive to go out there and do it, you can get lost pretty quickly in this business. And we've seen it happen time and time again. Well, there's a reason why that, you know, you go from Bradley Bill to Rui, and in between, none of those guys are with the team anymore. That's 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 embarrassing. Yeah. And 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 uh, just to put a finer point, like, again, I'm not advocating to, to change the front office at all. I think Tommy's done a reasonable job. I wouldn't have an issue if they kept him. But in terms of just having to reshape the whole thing, you and I have talked about this many times before. Back in 2012, you had Jan Vesely and Chris Singleton coming off of, you know, interesting enough rookie seasons. And then that offseason, they brought in new players to block their two first round picks, essentially, not just for minutes, but like helping them advance. Both of them, obviously, bounced out of the league before they're you know, within within a couple more years and again i'm not saying that beyond Vassie or chris singleton could have been all-stars but i am saying they didn't do they, they didn't push them they didn't help their cause enough after having made the investment especially with Vesely, to go to yeah. the next level and now we're kind of seeing that again with troy brown in more recent yeah. times so if that's an organization vision thing that needs to change then that's a reason i, I think to to dump out uh yeah i, I just think you got to have a you got to have a plan and a strategy. And and when I look at and the know, same thing with Otto with, Porter too, by the way, how many times did they not maximize you, his yeah. situation they, when yeah. he was, you know, a great three point shooter and, uh, you know, he was, yeah, he was a guy that could have been a, their three and D guy if they had ever actually tried to care about seeing what he could become. Uh, but in, in, you know how we feel, like I've said it before by Jan Vesely, I happen to see now one of the best players to ever play in the Euro league right now. I mean, he is, uh, Euroleague MVP. He's a champion. Um, he's somebody that in, would never come back to the NBA because he's found joy in in uh, in in Europe, where they've you know really built up his confidence and given him reason you know to to play at a high level. The Wizards never did that in their time in the, the, the three years they had him. They just they just ruined the kid until he had to go so, um, back to over to Turkey to uh, figure out you know what he's going to be. And, um, and now, now he's thriving. And so um, I'm not saying that would have happened for him in the NBA, but I do feel like they at least got it right that he can play. It's just, he couldn't play for this organization. Right. 
Um, and I, we haven't mentioned, we don't have to get into it, but like Thomas Bryan will be back next year. Part of the issue there is he can score, but not much for uh, help too much on the defensive end, but you know, him back and all that. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, my guess is after we've just talked for about <laughs> almost an hour, my guess is uh, whatever changes will be made, will be maybe the coach. I would doubt too much on the, on the roster, unless Bradley Beal forces his way out. Um, which I would don't know if I see it doesn't happening. sound like he's ever going to move in that direction. Right. Which, you know, again, I, I respect and uh, I, I, I purely selfishly, I have said, I, I, I enjoy watching Bradley Beal play basketball. If I'm going to have to watch a team lose that doesn't give the hope because they don't have the young guys, at least I'm going to watch an elite player play. I enjoy that, but <laughs> whatever else happens there uh, before we get out of here, just broad NBA uh, the, this, I, I don't even know how many, what are we, I don't even know how many, weeks we have left in the regular season because the calendar is all screwed up but whatever is left would you like to make a prediction at this point who's going to win the nba title based on where where things are at right now not at all i don't even really want to do that dance because this is this is probably the first time that i can recall that there have been so many legit title contenders and the reason why is because we're playing ball during a pandemic and so you never know what what's going to come into play like you never know uh, somebody who breaks COVID protocols or you never know, uh, like last year, I thought the Clippers were going to do it. And then, you know, Lou Williams wanted to get some lemon pepper wings and like, they, just, <laughs> they weren't really the same when he got back, you know, by the way, uh, how about that? Lou Williams gets traded to Atlanta now. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, you look at it, I mean, J- LeBron James is hurt. Like when is LeBron ever hurt? Um, and Anthony Davis is hurt. I mean, if those two guys are healthy, I'm looking at the Lakers as, as the winner, but you know, the clip, I mean, uh, the Clippers, you know, they're right there. Um, you know, uh, and then if you're just looking at in the West, I mean, you know, I think Denver made a great move. I think they're in the mix. There's like eight teams. I think that could compete for a championship. Philly's right there. Um, Milwaukee, we, you know, we sort of overlooked them, but they're right there. Giannis is looking like MVP one more time. Um, but then Miami's right there. So, you know, you can go down the list. There's so many teams that uh, that are in this in this hunt that I feel, um, you know, should be considered, you know, championship contenders. I'm not, I'm not ready to give it to Utah just yet because um, I think they, they need to do some more advancing in the postseason before I can trust them, you know. But they're looking great, you know, in the regular season. Um, I just feel like uh, this is so wide open that it's really hard for me to predict anything. And it's also so unusual because we've had we've seen great players get hurt because you have all these games that have to be kind of rammed in together because of the season um just with just the COVID COVID and everything else it's complicated things so I don't know I, I say it's anybody's guess and if any of the eight teams that I may have mentioned just now win I would not be shocked because um I just feel like it's it's just it's it, whoever is hot and healthy uh in july then they're gonna be the one holding the trophy the, the the nets are so fascinating we've never seen that elite level of elite offensive talent together and yet james harden's playoff history is a bit dubious and you know it is one thing to say in the regular season this is all fun but when things get a little tighter how does that work with three guys who are all gonna i'm sure want to be the guy to some degree, like, how do you make that work? And, you know, the things slow down a little I, bit. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. I, I'm only worried about Kevin Durant being healthy enough to, sure. to make it through the season. Um, you know, I think that the Nets kind of got blown away by the fact that he came back and was looking like Kevin Durant again, and it's numbers wise. 
um, that they lost track of the fact that he's hadn't played in 18 months and probably needed to take it a little easier on his road back, you know. Um, so now I think they're being cautious with him, you know, with this hamstring injury. Uh, but that's something you got to monitor, you know, because this is now a couple years in a row where, you know, Durant's missing time, you know, because of injury. And he is not young. Like he, he'll be 33 this year uh, or later, later this year. And so, um, you know, he's, and he's, and he's big, he's a seven footer, you know? Um, so, you know, you, that is a concern, but if he's healthy, they don't have to worry about who the man is, you know? Um, Cause he is that, you know, he's got the two finals MVPs. Now, obviously James Harden is one MVP and is a great offensive player. But I think one of the reasons why he wanted to play with Kevin is because he knew that Kevin could shield him from all of that pressure that he seems to shrink under when he gets into the postseason. And he also has Kyrie Irving there who is fearless and doesn't, you know, doesn't care about taking a big shot or stepping up in a big moment. So I think that just from a talent perspective, you know, they are the team in the East to me because they have three guys that can go get you a bucket whenever they have to. And they also have three guys who are willing to let somebody else rock out if they're, if they're feeling it, if they're, they're doing in a good groove that they don't really have an issue with selfishness with those guys. And Harden is probably one of the more selfless elite scorers that's out there because he can, he can easily get you 40, but he can also get you 15 assists in the same game that's because he's looking to set guys up. And he knows that if teams, you know, focus on him so much offensively, he can set, he can, he can, you know, distribute the ball, but if they lay off of him because they know he's trying to pass it, he can also get buckets. So um, they they don't they don't they don't have any concerns about chemistry with those guys. They play each other in the Olympics. Um, they know you know who they are, and they or at least in Team USA settings, they they know each other pretty well. Um, so I'm not worried about chemistry with them at all. Uh, I'm just worried about health, and that that goes for just about every team in the league, but especially them because if Kevin Durant's healthy. Um, you know, uh, it'll be fun to see, you know, them like face an Embiid or a, uh, um, in, in the playoffs or Giannis in the playoffs. So that's exciting to me. So I'm hoping that KD can stay healthy. Um, yeah, uh, for, for sure. Uh, Michael's witnessing what happens when the Washington football team does something while I'm recording a podcast, I, I get, uh, I get uh, d- distracted because, but but I'm a professional. Nobody's no. That's nobody, all right, man. Nobody would even know. know. It's, it's, it's I, they just signed somebody. I don't even know who this is. That's a whole other story. Okay. Um, well, I should probably let you do your thing. <laughs> no, it's it's not even mine enough. But I should let you go if nothing else because it's been a while. You've got uh, f- uh, stories to to write, uh, report, interviews to conduct, families it's to uh, hang with. Um, everything else uh, going all right in your world regarding the the world we live in. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, I just waiting to get my word that I can get my vac- vaccine so we can uh, start moving forward. I got my first. So we're talking. I don't know when this will go up. I got my first one thir- Thursday. Uh, ironically, I wow. went to uh, a football stadium to, <laughs> to get it. Uh, I went to the Raven Stadium uh, to, to work that out. Um, so nah, good for I'm, you, man. I'm, I'm, nah. I'm, I'm on the board. I'm not. I, I don't know when I'll qualify. Team Pfizer. Okay. Congrats. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> all right. So obviously you go uh, go read Michael's work on uh, at the Washington Post. Follow him on Twitter at Mr. Michael Lee. Um, and um, I don't know. I mean, all I can tell you, Wizards fans, is 
I am so sick and tired of talking about them in a negative way. But I, I like I said, I, I can get into rebuild. I can pretend that some guys who may never do anything, there's at least hope, but it is hard to do that when it is like we're saying, <laughs> is you're in this, you're in this purgatory of like it could you're not really heading in either direction and you know making the playoffs. They're not on the road, man. Yeah. I know they I'm are in you. the ditch. The Washington ditches. <laughs> we're, we're you know we're renaming teams in this town so you know let's, let's see michael man i appreciate it anytime man thanks for having me on all right there you have it many thanks to michael lee with the washington post for his time thanks to everybody here for checking out the podcast and if you're listening this deep into it you know i appreciate you i won't say the most i appreciate everybody but if you're a diehard to listen to this deep it's a, that's the next level, and I really do appreciate it, for sure. Uh, again, make sure to check out my Washington football team-only mock draft. It'll be up on The Athletic by the time you hear this, most likely. And, well, I guess I may put it up, put this podcast up soon. We'll see. But it'll be up Monday morning. And uh, make sure to subscribe here uh, on iTunes or Spotify. Follow me on Twitter, at Bandstanding, and be safe out there. Hope everyone's doing well. That's it for now. Until next time, see ya.